Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. guys welcome back to another episode of the chasing tales outdoor podcast i am your host and i am joined by my turkey slaying deer slaying all things killing co-host chase dude it is officially dude this is the last turkey season episode i can't believe that we got here so quick i feel like we just started talking turkey yeah man the season kind of flew by it it was a it was a good time but it's kind of time to move on as well get on to talking about some uh, other stuff. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. You know, I got consumed by Turkey and, and rightfully so it was the season, but just as soon as my tag, I punched that last tag, dude, about 48 hours later, I started tinkering with, with deer gear and you started sending me <laughs> responses like, dude, you must be really bored. And it's like, Nope, it's just, <laughs> it's time to move on. You know, it's time to, time to switch gears and uh deer season will be here before you know it, especially for our South Florida listeners. Uh, they've only got like go. Uh, what two months until deer season? Yeah, pr- pretty close. <laughs> I, it's crazy, man. I think like it's somewhere maybe around the end of July, first of August is when yeah. they get kicked off. So hats off to them <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um, maybe no you doubt. and I need to make a trip down there. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it, it, it's kind of appealing, but. And the and the other hand, I mean, it would be. I think it'd be a good challenge. I think it'd be yeah. a, a real good challenge to kind of go down there. Uh, I don't. It, it would be difficult per se, just because I think to get down to that zone, it's like a four hour drive, four oh, hour yeah. plus drive from my house. So it's probably a, like a six. It's like a six and a half hour drive <laughs> from your wow. house to, even, to to get down there. So. 
Uh, and it'd just be hard to kind of, if we wanted to go scout and do things like that before we went down there, uh, it, it'd be some serious driving just to go do that. I mean, maybe you're, maybe we're we closer need to, lean. to Georgia, <laughs> Alabama, probably Mississippi. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, three other states before you would uh, <laughs> come upon South Florida. But I, yeah, I think it would be a good time uh, if we if we have any listeners on the podcast that are down in South Florida. Uh, it'd be great to go down there and meet some of those guys and gals. Yeah. Um, and, and see what it's all about. Well, I'm thinking about Craig, old Craig Crumbs down there, dude. He's down there in South Florida, isn't he? One of our uh, Patreon yeah. pro staffers. Uh, yeah, he is down there. And I, actually, a buddy of mine, I believe he is putting in for a quota hunt down in South Florida this year. No it's kidding. A, it's, a, it's a muzzleloader hunt down there. Um, but he's from there. Uh, so he, he's got some connections and I think some family members that live down there. So it'd be a little bit easier for him. But, and I think he's already got like a preference point for it. So yeah. he, he should probably draw this year for that. So it may be just something to uh, kind of play it by ear, see what he does this year, see what he has to say about it and yeah. move, get a little, get a little more information on it. Or just like say, we can talk to Craig or some of our other listeners. Let's do both. Give us the four one one. Yeah, man. We need to, uh, that'd be a heck of a series for YouTube. You know, once you get, once you get your, your, your filming set up done and everything, maybe we can make like a short film where we try and punch a tag in every zone in the state of Florida. That'd be kind of freaking cool. Yeah. There's four zones, A, B, C, D, I believe. B yep. is the smallest by far. It is yep. not very big. So we, it, that'd probably be the hardest <laughs> to be honest with you, <laughs> just because it, it's so small and I don't yeah. know. I'm sure there's some public around there, um, but and it's it's a weird time. It's got some weird season yeah, times too. It does. So it does. That's where John is, isn't he? Isn't it John and B? Maybe he may be a I little north so. of B. Okay, we'll have to we'll have to look more into that. that. That looks like it could be kind of. I don't know, man. That sounds like it could be fun. Walt yeah, and Chase it, uh, terrorizing it, it, whitetails from. <laughs> it would be it would be fun for sure. I don't know how much time I got to. <laughs> <laughs> do well yeah. to do three uh in-state hunts <laughs> for the state of florida <laughs> that's so crazy though to think about it in that way but you're right i mean that's like three like rutcations basically you could have uh in this state or really four if you timed if, if you really got it right but yeah because it would take me i mean where I, i'm at more centrally located so i'm right. closer uh to more of the zones than you are but yeah, it, it definitely would be. It'd be one of those things where you'd have to be like, "All right, I'm gonna start in South Florida, like right as the season kicks <laughs> off." And then I think my zone may actually C actually I think opens up before B. Yeah. And then get something there, and then move to B, and then you could hunt. It, it, but it's so far spread out that it's really not that bad if you think about it. No. Like if you if you started off in July or August, and hit where you're at like around February, I mean yeah. that's that's spaced out a ways. So, unless you're just tagged out already. You know, I, I know it's going to be miserable, but I, I think I'm going to have to do it this August. I may have to just, just pony up, drive down the coast, and 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 suck wind in the heat in August and just get my fill, fill then so that I can make it till September. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Anyways, guys, uh, th- this episode is not about deer hunting, but you can tell deer hunting is definitely on our brain, but... Um, we got a chance to sit down with a couple guys that have, have been on the podcast several times. 
Preston and, and Jack Dillon. Uh, if you're a longtime avid supporter, you remember them from their elk stories. Uh, almost two years ago, we realized during the podcast, and they hadn't been been on since. And this time, we kind of got to talk about something different. This wasn't really a a storytelling podcast. This really wasn't a strategy podcast per se. I think maybe it's a long term strategy podcast, but. This is more about kind of noticing some trends that we've seen on social media uh, towards uh, the the youth hunts across the country, how they're structured. And uh, Jack and Preston came to us and said, listen, we've got some strong opinions. What do you think about making a podcast out of it? And Chase, I think it turned out really well. Yeah, it did. Uh, I kind of just kind of sat back for the most part and let them talk and see what uh, direction they were wanting the podcast to go and what their ideas were and what their thoughts were on the youth hunting and some of the uh what do they call it it's the when it where you can the apprentice, apprentice programs yep, that you can yep. do uh so it, it was kind of uh it was kind of eye-opening and it was a good chance to just sit there and go hey i need to get more more involved with getting people out in the woods yeah yeah and i i think there are some definite ways that we could improve this um they, they came they came to the podcast with some strong opinions and this is a shorter podcast for you guys uh significantly shorter than a lot of the ones we've been doing but we did that on purpose we wanted to kind of keep it brief because it's kind of a heavy topic um i think there's some optimism involved you can tell that these are guys that are uh oh man i can't remember can you recall how many people they said they took during the youth season or or youth hunters and and whatnot apprentice hunters that they've taken it's a bunch yeah, I think it's probably somewhere around five, if yeah. I can remember correctly. Yeah, and that was like this year, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you're talking about people where their money is, where their mouth is, um, or mouth where their money is. I don't know how that phrase goes, but um, <laughs> it, it was a good episode, dude. It was a really good episode. It's gonna. I felt like it was a, an apt way to kind of close out the season, uh, launch us into deer season, and uh, I think before we – reveal too much of this episode why don't we go ahead and uh, thank the people that make this show possible um first and foremost that's patreon chase you just got to give away a ridiculously cool bow site that uh john porter won and he has been like building uh, <laughs> excel spreadsheets to calculate arrow drop and velocity and all kinds of things you, you really got him excited about that yeah man no doubt it was good <laughs> to get that ship to him and see his reaction for sure uh and he is definitely an archery nut and kind of wants to look at the the data side of it. Obviously, if he's making Excel spreadsheets and uh, <laughs> he sent us all the the spreadsheets too, so we could do our calculations to see what type of arrow drop we would have and if the deer's on alert, how much uh, arrow speed you need to get have a what is it ethical kill on the deer. Yep. So yep. I, I thought that was pretty neat. I'm gonna have to plug that in once I finally get my arrow set up. That I want for this season, but I was glad to get that to him. And one of the things that I'm looking forward to now is getting somebody in the Phantom saddle. That's right. Because that is going to be our next giveaway. It's one of these giveaways that if you're a Patreon member, you kind of dream and live for (laughs) as a Patreon (laughs) member is to, you're like, oh my goodness, this is probably one of the hottest items on the market right now. And one of our Patreon members is going to take that home. That's it. That's it. Plus versa, mini versa straps, plus a back band, um, and a hiss hauler. Uh, no, not a yeah. hiss. Is it a hiss? Yeah. Yeah. Haul your stuff. Yep. So he could get a hiss hauler as well. 
Um, so, I mean, this is easily our biggest prize to date. I'm, I'm super thankful that Tethered, who's the title sponsor of the podcast, is willing to support us in this way. I mean, you know, saddle hunting is a fun, exciting way uh, to, to change the way that you hunt as a run-and-gun hunter, even as a, a stand hunter. But, you know, I think uh, being able to send somebody that and jumpstart their, their uh, adventure into being a saddle man, we love the products that they make and man, I, I can't, I'm, I'm really excited about this, but uh, huge shout out to all the Patreon subscribers. If you don't know what Patreon is, that is a way to subscribe to a monthly contribution of the podcast. All that money goes into production, uh, equipment, travel costs. We don't make any money off this podcast, guys. All of it goes right back into producing more content. And our hopes is that in the coming months and years, we get to travel more, video more, bring you more uh, in-person podcasts, which is something we're working on. Um, Chase will attest to this. I'm working very, very hard to get high-speed internet ran to the house, and I think I may have made some some headway there. So who knows? We might stream some podcasts or something cool like that one day. But uh, yeah, guys, we're just always looking for new ways to, to get exciting content to you. And, and thank you to all the Patreon subscribers who support us on a, on a monthly basis. It means the world. Yeah, it does. Uh, I appreciate all of them, and I have a great time on our Marco Polo group. So if you're a Patreon member listening to this and hadn't joined yet, you should. Uh, we have a good time over there. And I think one thing that we definitely need to mention before we get to the podcast is the Yakin' for Bass Challenge. Absolutely, It is coming up May 15th. You still time to sign up. Heck, I, the way we have it, you could sign up basically at any point during the challenge. It, first two weeks. Yep. Okay, the first two weeks. First two weeks, yep. You, you can sign up for this challenge. So... Right now, uh, the numbers are a little bit down from what we thought, but we also have to consider the COVID thing that's been going on, <laughs> yeah. and we knew that that was probably going to play a part in how many people were going to participate. Seems like we've got a good group so far, and a lot of them participated last year. Uh, I know I had a blast, so if you're thinking about signing up for that, you still got time. Yeah, and, and I just want to kind of briefly go over some of the people who have decided to contribute to this uh, podcast, you know, New Canoe has jumped on board. They're donating a, a Yak Attack Black Pack with rod holders, which is friggin' awesome. Shady Rays for the second year in a row has donated polarized sunglasses to this event. We've got Yak Attack accessories. Alpha Lure Company is sending us some stuff. Cavs Creek uh, Custom Jigs is sending us uh, some gear as well. I actually just opened a box, a monstrous box of lures that uh, Sam Marsonjill. Uh, sent us he used to be a patreon subscriber he's off doing his own thing now um, wanted to be a part of this and uh sent us a huge box of stuff to help give away and raise money for this and dude i just want to say thanks to sam i mean that that you didn't have to do that but i appreciate you buddy it's uh it, it means the world that you send that to us and um we're, we're happy to give this away to get to people and we're happy to raise money for conservation last year chase was it 350 dollars we raised last year and we had a goal of 700 before covid happened so right um i think we're only about honestly if the math holds i think we're only about 17 people away from hitting that goal so if you haven't registered already think about signing up it's 25 bucks five dollars of that goes to the app there's a link in the show notes and and find a couple people that you know that might, might be interested in this because the money's going to take me fishing.org it's a great place and it's going to be a fun time and honestly the last few months have been tough on everybody, and I'm just ready to get outside and, and uh, just get back to enjoying the great outdoors, dude. Yeah, no doubt. I'm looking forward. Uh, I've 
probably been out bass fishing a couple of times since the yakking for bass challenge last time. <laughs> and I, I've been kind of fiending here lately to get on some fish, get out there. And uh, I love the competition in the yakking for bass challenge. It, it's a great time. Uh, and it like motivates you to get out there uh, uh, when times where you often probably wouldn't go. So I, I just think it's a great way to get people outdoors and a great chance for everybody to kind of come together and be able to contribute to a great cause. Yep, absolutely. Well, let's not belabor the point. We're 15 minutes into this, Chase. Let's send them on to the episode. And uh, guys, next time we talk to you, we're talking deer hunting. All right, everybody, we are back with what is probably going to be the capstone podcast for the turkey season. And I can't think of about three guys that I'd, I'd rather be on the phone more to do so and to talk about something that I think is near and dear to everyone on the phone right now. I am joined, of course, by my co-host Chase, but hailing from the great Northeast where turkey season just kicked off, we got Jack and Preston from the DIY Hunter. Gentlemen, thank you for for coming on the phone and talking with us and waiting uh, all night for me to to finally give you a call. Oh, not a problem. We're just trying to wake up at 3 in the morning to turkey hunt, but we're doing podcasts (laughs) with you at 9.30. (laughs) Well, I, for one, am happy to talk to you again, Walt. I don't know about friends. (laughs) <laughs> jack you're, you're moving up my, my 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 friend list quickly man i appreciate you um but you know it's it's been we were talking right before i hit record it's been a long time since i've had you guys on it was 2018 uh last time you and i or the three of us chase wasn't actually on the on that uh, previous call but um it's been years so what's up give everybody kind of like a brief overrun what has happened in like the year and a half two years that you guys have been gone how many tags have you punched what have you done well jack popped out another kid and uh i'm doing the same stuff (laughs) (laughs) i told preston he had to be he had to be brief on this episode and he is just taking that to heart (laughs) yeah Yeah, i think my youngest my youngest is about the same age as the last time we did a podcast. That's about the truth. <laughs> actually, yeah. It actually is really close. Wow. <laughs> um, but I would <clears throat> realistically, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I guess the whole lot's changed in terms of what we're doing. Just we're getting a little bit more uh, detail-oriented with um, the videography and, like, what we're doing. But, I mean, we've had – what have we had? Three elk hunts since we've talked to you. Yeah. And then just yeah. our, just our, I think three elk hunts and then just our white tail hunts. And, uh, we got Did to go we, out we, west. Oh, go we ahead, talked, Jack. We talked last on the way out to Idaho. And then I think we touched base after our Colorado hunt. Yep. Um, and then this last year we were back out in Colorado and that was a really good time. And, and then this year, I mean, who knows with all this nonsense going on, um, but we're, about to book tickets to get up to Alaska in September. So yeah, actually, I was just looking at the flights today. To me, him, and my dad are heading up to Alaska. Me and Jack are taking the bows, and my dad's taking his howitzer rifle that he said any <laughs> moose around 50 inches won't get within bow range because it has no chance. So <laughs> we're we're getting that booked. But our last elk hunt in the fall, we got lucky enough. It might have been Jack's Jack's dad his last Western hunt, and it was. The first elk my dad got to put down, and me and Jack were sitting with him, so it was pretty awesome. That's that's awesome, man. You know, yeah, you, you guys really, I think, Preston, you guys kicked it off right about the same time we started this podcast, and I do believe that Preston, you and I have talked. Just, I mean, we've we've, 
I'd say we've become good friends and, and talk pretty frequently throughout the year. You guys have exploded. I mean, just the amount of content you guys put out all year long from like DIY stuff to just a metric crap ton of freaking content, guys. I mean, you guys just kill it. I, I, it's been awesome to see you guys grow and, and, and diversify into, into different hunts. I mean, you guys are, what, like four years planned out at all times, right? Uh, I would, I would say like 2020, like literally right before you jumped on the phone, me and Jack were just laying out our Iowa hunt. And I think we're doing 20, like we're talking about 2022, 2023, pretty much booked out pretty much right now. Yeah. They're, they're almost on the same part as us, Chase. Yeah. Between family commitments, preference points, the way all the States work, we're pretty much a hundred percent planned out like two years in advance. Mm. Yeah. Like I'd say at a bare minimum. Now, like this year, we got a major curveball when we tried to draw for Wyoming, and Wyoming was a hundred percent draw the year before, and we didn't draw. But we we have like ancillary plans in the rotations, like at all times too, like kind of fail safes because it's just not. It seems like too many guys end up just eating an entire year, and it's like a year that you never get back. You know, like you'll never get it back in your life. So to just eat it, you might as well have some type of an alternative. You know, so. Um, that kind of changed our plans this past fall. But like Jack said, like pretty much written in stone the next two years, three years is, I mean, we have Alaska hunt next spring. We're going to halibut fish and black bear hunt. That's already paid for. And then next fall, we're just trying to decide for the next two falls, like which elk hunts we want to do where, but we have enough points to do any of them. It just depends on what we want to do. And to bring it back to, um, what you got us on the phone for that's one of the things that i just totally appreciate about spring turkey hunting i mean to be honest you mentioned it um in your one of your last podcasts with bayside legion um same for me i mean if somebody had to pin me down and, and say what do you like more if you had to pick deer or turkey i'd be really hard pressed not to say turkey because all the things that you could put in front of me <laughs> of all the things you could put in front of me there's nothing that gives me butterflies like a tom that's spitting and drumming you know full strut in front of you like 25 yards that interaction <laughs> that you have the warm weather that you have in springtime and you can get out there and you can do this if you go buy a tag there are very few states that you have to think ahead and draw on a lottery i mean unfortunately i'm one of them on public land but i can still go shoot private land turkeys if you've got a place to go and that's the way it is in most states fortunately for most people and and cost right like i have a tag in um ohio i have two turkey tags in ohio two in pennsylvania two in maryland and all those combined were like 50 percent less than one elk tag so like you can really get out there I mean, I was going to fly to the Black Hills until Corona hit to hunt with Burris, and it, counting the plane ticket and that hunting tag, it was still less than an Idaho elk tag. And it's like, you're just running around like me and Jack just this past weekend. We turkey hunted. I filmed his first bird he killed on public land, and he filmed my first bird of me shooting with someone filming for me this weekend, and we trout fished, and we fly fished. Like, it was a blast of a weekend. It was like 70 degrees. We're eating snacks, hiking around the hills. It's just me and him are, you can tell our, we're aging slightly because we were like, man, deer hunting is literally in our core, but it's really freaking hard. And turkey hunting is really freaking fun. <laughs> like, they're just gobbling and like chasing everywhere. I mean, it was just, we had a blast of a weekend with good weather. And we, we actually yeah. brought, we brought, Jack brought you guys up and he was like, 
I don't care where it is, but if it's in March or early April, let's go to like Tennessee with four tags each and let's just whale birds next spring. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, and I said that. I said that too because Walton, one of your last podcasts, you mentioned there's the idea of um, some people doing social media, maybe getting together, and I went in on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's definitely. And, a- and for us, for us, we were talking about like those places with like the March seasons would be great right. because our seasons don't come in for two months. So then we're not traveling a ton because once our seasons start and we're like, man, Tennessee, Jack's been to Tennessee. It's just a blast down there and you get four tags yeah. for like a hundred bucks. I know. I know. Yeah. We're there. The, the, if you guys want in, I will, I will include you in the, in the, in the group chat when I, when I create it, but uh, we're, we're, there's a good chance, uh, better, better than not that, uh, it's going to start with, with deer season this fall and then, uh, uh, you know, kind of become a, a, every, you know, season thing, go from deer to Turkey, deer to Turkey. And, you know, those two things will feed themselves. Cause while you're out there Turkey hunting, you're, you're deer scouting, you know, you're, 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 you're coming mm-hmm. up on stuff. Um, I, I don't think Tennessee is going to be that place. I think it's going to be North Georgia. Um, like the, oh, that's fine too. We yeah. said that was the two six. We said North Georgia or Tennessee because the season dates. We were like, yep, March. Neither one of us week cared because I could I could drive to North Georgia in ten eleven hours. So yeah, I was like, I don't go. even have to fly. Yep. yep. Yeah, but I mean, Tennessee is the ticket for turkey hunting. Oh, now, yeah. compared, <laughs> compared to Georgia, I mean, I've yeah. driven through Tennessee, the whole state, and there's birds everywhere in the springtime. Like every open field you look in, there's a strutter out. Yeah. Pretty much every field, it's ridiculous, and it's not that far from North Georgia. <laughs> No, I, I say it's closer for me. Than yeah, Georgia. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's and that, Nashville. Now I can drive to Nashville in like eight and a half hours. It's like not <laughs> bad at all. You wake up, you're there at lunch. Yeah, that's about what it is. Would be for me about seven. Yeah. Between seven and a half, eight hours. To you know, there. I'm I'm interested to see. I'm interested to see what happens though, because Tennessee hit, uh, and this will kind of maybe is a natural segue into kind of where we're headed with this this dialogue, but. Tennessee, by the first six or seven days of their season, had punched forty-seven percent of their prior season total already. Um, and and I'm curious, you know, you, you look at like Alabama and how fast they they punched their total, and you look at Tennessee and you look at these places where they were the only places that remained open to non-residents. How much of an impact are those are those gonna are those birds that were pulled out of there that you know statistically speaking aren't every year? how big of an impact is that going to have on the next year's hunting? And I, you know, I, I'm not a scientist, but I know that it takes about two years to get a gobbler. And, you know, if you just pulled out a whole bunch of toms, what, what's that going to do for your hunting the next year? Yeah. I think honestly, it's all dependent on the hatch that yeah. followed that year. Yeah. Class. Right. Know, what was the weather? Was it wet? Were the hens successful in that right. or not? Right. And, you know, if you get up to where, um, I'm not going to say where we're talking, we, we can talk about this more offline, but, once you get up to where we were talking about, you're hunting a lot of areas that's loaded with birds and a lot of pasture land and public land that comes up to pasture land. And um, the the original core group wants to do a deer hunt anyways in North Georgia, which is why that is. But that's we we can figure it out. That's you know we got time to figure that out. Um, but I mean Tennessee's not that. I mean it's an hour and a half further than North Georgia, which is seven hours. So I mean it's it's not like you're really at you know going anything different, but. I'm curious, what has the hunting pressure been like for you guys uh, with everybody sheltering in place? <laughs> oh, my God. I, I drove to Ohio Open to the same freaking place I've set foot on for three years and sometimes passed cars. 
There were three different cars in their trucks sleeping two and a half hours before light. I've never seen anything like it. I couldn't <laughs> go anywhere. I couldn't do anything. I didn't hear birds gobbling. There was guys for a week walking all over, calling and scouting with turkey calls, just berating the entire area. And to each their own, they paid for a tag too, but I found a ton of, ton of novices not going with people who didn't know what to do, and it does make it a worse time for everybody as a whole, and that doesn't mean don't go out and do it. Like, you've mm-hmm. got to learn by trial and error, but turkey hunting is very difficult, and I feel as though your learning curve would increase a lot by going with someone that knows what they're doing. And sure. you make it easier easier on yourself. And in Ohio, it's been absolutely insane. And then the opener in PA, you can ask Jack. I have how many how many private spots were we going to, Jack? And I got ran out of all of them, and I've hunted on all of them. Yeah, seven, <laughs> every one of them. They said, "No, you know what? I have this family member going there. I have this seven years. I've never had one of these people tell me they were hunting." And all of them had too many people for us to even go to. I was like, I don't know what to do here. I've never once seen a human on these lots. And all of them had their brother's sister's cousin going to hunt. It was crazy. <laughs> it was yeah, seriously nuts. I lined up this weekend, this past weekend with you. I think Friday night game, you're sweating a little bit because you're like, uh... I know her. Yeah. I was like, we're going to load up and drive to public that I know to hunt. Because every single place... They were shooting shotguns at. They were scouting at. Uh, a brother-in-law's kid was going to hunt. And it was all places I quite literally have never even asked the property owner because I'm there all the time and they know it. I've never seen a hunter. We showed up to the one spot. There's neighbors from the farmer who has farmland who he's hunting. Like, it was it was crazy. I was like, I don't, I've never seen anything like this in my life. Every lot was full. Wow. So it, it, it's – and this is private on farms that I've only been on myself for like multiple years. And they're not like Turkey havens by any means, but at least you can hunt it, not worry about people. And there was people in all of them. So we ended up going to a lot that I knew was kind of safe ish. And we had a lot of fun, but like it was the only option we had at that point instead of it's crazy. Ohio has been out of control. I've never seen anything like it, honestly. Wow. Wow. Chase, how about you? What's it been like for you? Yeah, Maryland was just as bad. Sorry. Yeah. That's <laughs> terrible. It, it, I, I would assume it's got to be a COVID thing. Yeah. Everybody co- cooped up in the house, wanting to get out. And they're like, you know what? I'm going to go turkey hunting this year. That's that's the only thing I can think. Those people that, you know, they're like, yeah, I did it when I was 18 or one of those things. And uh, kudos to them. They talked about that recruit, retain, reactivate, and this may be that kind of event where people are looking for something to do. And that's probably some of those things that pull a lot of people away from hunting. They don't have the option to do that anymore. Sure. Right. Getting out any way they can. Well, and I heard, well, from some things I've heard is that there's a lot of people now that since this COVID things come in and there's been meat shortages and everything else, there's been people that are like, Oh, I want to get into hunting. Uh, How do I start getting meat for myself? So you could have a lot of those people out there as well. Yeah, well, oh, for I, sure. I heard a, few, a little bit about that. I'm kind of curious. I'm like, like, what the numbers look like. You know, if we can go look at this retrospectively once this is all over and say, like, hey, how many people really did go out for that reason or not? Yeah, right. You see, like, new license sales for the year or something. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what I was gonna say. Is I would like to see, because I mean, as a whole, 
Pennsylvania's turkey tags have stayed kind of stable. I'd love to see if they jump up. Like, did more guys buy the bonus tag? Did more people in general buy the tag? Because they didn't close down non-resident sales. So did some of these states go, you know, well, I'll go to Pennsylvania now because I can't go to these other ones. Right. They're all closed. Like, Maryland, Ohio, Kentucky, West Virginia, they all closed the non-res. So, like, are people going to be like, well, I'll just go grab a Pennsylvania one? Right. I don't know. And I think, I think that's my biggest concern. Um, you know, there was an episode done by Dr. Michael Chamberlain from Meat Eater. Uh, Preston, I think I sent you that episode. Um, Jack, I don't know if you yeah, listened listen, to I it. Listen, yeah. Oh, yeah. I listened to the same one. I talked to him right away. I'm like, I want to meet that guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I said the same thing. That The first chance I get to drive up to Athens and, and talk with him, you bet your ass. <laughs> I'm going to take advantage of that. But – you know, I actually, I listened to that podcast twice because there was so much information in there uh, that I really felt like as a new turkey hunter, as I am, it was just like that episode might be the cliff notes to understanding turkeys. It was just, it was phenomenal. But he mentioned how there's a, a delay that we talked about. There's that delay, that two-year delay, um, one to two-year delay between when the hatch happens and when you have toms and, and the full cycle of things. And I'm, I'm worried. I feel like we've kind of missed an opportunity here. I think you know, there's probably a lot of new hunters that, 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 uh, or people who bought licenses for meat. Cause I can tell you here in Tallahassee, there's about two and a half, three weeks. You couldn't get any kind of anything but pork, um, which is funny to me, uh, why pork was left on the table. I, I, I don't know, but on the shelves, but, um, you know, I, I'm kind of concerned that we missed, we, we may have done two things wrong. One, I feel like we may have missed an opportunity to recruit, recruit the massive, next generation of outdoorsmen and i think also i wonder if by not taking advantage of that and limiting the amount of hunters that are out there have we not shot conservation in the foot because a lot of these states are already reporting uh declining populations well i i I don't like i said i think it'll be a while till we see the numbers but i will tell you just today or yesterday i was on the one pa pa turkey hunting facebook page and there was guys all over it flipping out because they haven't even received their second bonus tag in the mail that they bought a long time ago. Mm-hmm. So I was actually wondering, is it due to downstaffing from Corona or is there a large fluctuation in Pennsylvania? People were buying mm-hmm. tags and they're behind because these guys are all like, look, it's the start of the season. I don't even have my second tag yet. What's right. going on here? Right. So I don't know if it's, is it a mass decrease or a decrease in employees? I don't know. But like you said, I'm hoping kind of it's an increase in sales. Yeah. Not so much a decrease in employees. Sure. Well, and, and I, I kind of teased that and I didn't really f- finish that thought, but I feel like we missed an opportunity to get new hunters into the woods and prevent our populations from, from hitting a decline because there's no state that I know of make with the exception of maybe Florida, because the majority of our season had kind of come and passed by the time, maybe not the majority, but I'd say half the season chase, about half the season had passed by the time the shelter in place order went into effect. Am I I off base with that? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was somewhere around there. So I I think Florida by and large may have escaped a lot of this, but you know, did we miss an opportunity gentlemen to allow uh, young hunters or new hunters to have an extended season and take advantage of the time that their dads or their uncles or their grandfathers or their mentors may have had more time to get them into the woods. And I'm curious to hear your opinions on that. Yeah. I mean, I certainly think that, you know, a lot of states obviously have these youth days 
I think it's nice that when you look at a place like Maryland, which is next to me, they turned it into a youth weekend where they have open Sunday hunting, which is, I know, crazy for you Southern guys. And <laughs> to believe that there are still states up here that don't allow Sunday hunting. Um, oh, God, but yeah. in places that do allow it where you can turn it into a youth weekend or maybe give yourself the potential to extend that a little longer than it would have been. Um, or, or maybe even not extend the youth only weekend, uh, but make a bigger kind of PR push, if you want to call it that, to have these states say, hey, you know, you may have the time now, consider taking out a first-time hunter. Sure. Whether it be a new adult hunter or a youth hunter or somebody to get into the sport. A lot of the states that are out there, it's weird. There's been a variable response. There have been some states say, hey, hey, you can't be fishing. you got to get out of the river. And I think it's one of those, some of those places where people may have been in more crowded conditions. And then you look at it on the opposite end of the spectrum, and some of these states are saying, you don't even need a fishing license anymore. You know, could we have looked right. at this and said, you know, what can we do to get more youth out into the woods? Because when you're talking about, like, social distancing and all this stuff that's going on, here on the woods, it's probably one of the safest places to be. Preston, what, what are your thoughts on that, buddy? I was sort of in the same ballpark with Jack, but, I mean, since day one, I've kind of always, like, thought that it was really weird. Like, here in PA – we do one youth day and I'll be honest, I work in like public health care, you know, and I deal with a lot of people like we have Saturday office hours and it's amazing to me how many people actually work Saturdays. I get that. And on all, the, all these Facebook pages, they'll always bring up like, Oh, if you can't get out on Saturday with your kid, then take a weekday off work. Well, people can't just burn vacation days. Right. right. And in Pennsylvania, like this week, it hasn't been above 45 degrees and it's rained every single day. I've gotten really, really lucky. I've gotten three youth days in a row, three years with decent weather. And I have to take a young kid out before the woods turn into like anarchy. But it's like the odds of that continuing to happen are almost nothing. It's crazy to me to think they can't do like youth Turkey day for three days. Cause then I could take three youths right. or I can maybe take two youths. I could take, I mean, and in three years, I could take nine kids instead of maybe one year taking one kid because once the season opens, unless you have private land, it's pretty tough to take some 15-year-old, 14-year-old out because it's so overran with people. Sure. For sure. So, you know, so I think it's, it's – Go ahead, buddy. No, I was just going to say, like you guys said, I, I feel like kind of we've been missing the ball on getting kids back out into it a little bit, and this was even like – a better spring than ever to maybe test the boundaries of maybe we add an extra day, like something, I don't know anything that was more than like, Hey, you get one Saturday till noon. Right. And if it's crappy out, that's tough, <laughs> T- tough luck for the kids. Well, I, I think we need to also kind of give the conservation organizations maybe a pass on this because I know that a lot of them are, um, their leaders are politically appointed um, by, you know, governors and whatnot. They're not given the autonomy that they need um, to make these decisions. So, I, you know, I'm sure there are p- p- places that may have wanted to do that that couldn't. Um, but but I think, you know, I think this was a missed opportunity. I, I really do because there were a lot of people who were like, dude, I don't even, I'm not even fooling with it right now. There's so many people out there. That, you know, if those people are taking people to hunt, that maybe haven't before, uh, Jack, you know, you, 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 you talked about an awesome idea that is why not, why not make it apprentice hunting as well? Ex- expand it beyond youth. Why, why don't you kind of expound on 
what your thoughts were on that, and then I kind of want to pitch uh, uh, something to, to to Preston. Yeah, I, I mean, I got a little frustrated with that about a year and a half or two years ago here in Delaware, not to call out the state agency, but I um, they have a program where you can take out a kid basically of any age, and you have to be within a basic arm's length distance to be able to control the bow or the firearm that they're using sure. to make sure that they're doing things appropriately. And at that age, they don't have to have their hunter safety. If they're below, I think 12 years old, once it gets to 12, they do have to do it and they have to buy youth license below that they can get a license exemption number, um, which is fine. But one of the guys I work with, he's like, Hey, I, uh, I'd love to go out hunting. He's like, into it came up to me without me prompting. I'm like, yeah, man, if you want to go, we'll totally get you out. And I went up and called the state and talked to them like, oh, no, that that's just for youth. You know, the other people got to have their hunter ed first. And, you know, I get it. A hunter ed is important, but it is a little onerous. Almost every single state that I know of has a field day associated with it. And for somebody who works with a regular schedule, that can be a little difficult. And it'd be nice to have an apprentice program where they work at the same way as the youth regardless of the state that you're in so that you can give somebody the chance to kind of like try it before they buy it kind of thing. Right. Um, and get the hook in them a little deeper. Uh, and that fortunately is the way that Maryland works. Unfortunately, I couldn't get an apprentice license for my daughter there this year or anybody else. Um, because you have to be a resident of the state to have an apprentice hunter with you, which was a little bit goofy, but I, you know, there's certain reasons for that. I can imagine. For sure. Preston, you mentioned, I think the significance of the apprentice hunter is the ability to retain them as a hunter long-term. You've had a phenomenal, I'll be honest with you, of all the people I know who who hunt, I don't know of anybody who takes as many people into the woods as you do. Um, but yep. you, you've made mention that you seem to see a higher retention with uh, the older, you know, I don't know, maybe say young adult uh, that you introduce. Why don't you kind of touch on that a little bit? Yeah, like you can even ask Jack, <clears throat> the guy we took this Saturday. Like he's like full blown into it, isn't he, Jack? Like this dude. Yeah, I mean he'd done some deer hunting, but I don't think he'd ever been. He maybe went turkey hunting with you once before. He went. Yeah, he went two times last year, and we had birds. Really good opportunities twice, and he's quite literally talked about it for twelve months. And we got him Saturday, <laughs> and he was like. I'll go wherever. He's like, oh, well, let's do whatever. We got to get a bird. Like he wants to kill a turkey so bad. And he just loves going out. And he's like, I'll be up waiting for you at four o'clock. I'm like, well, we're coming at five. He's like, I'll be up at four. And <laughs> he's one of them. But like, he was someone I took out last year. Um, actually, Jack is from Pittsburgh originally. And I'm now friends with a kid he grew up with. I took him out, what, two years ago, Jack? Mm-hmm. And he got... He's 35. He got his first bird, and now he's like – he thinks turkey hunting is the greatest. On uh, Friday, I'm taking a kid who's never turkey hunted, and then on Saturday, I'm taking another kid who's never turkey hunted. And these are all like middle 30-year-old guys, right? But they hunt and they fish, but they've never been out in the turkey woods. They thought it seemed cool, and then we take them out, and there's birds gobbling, and they're like sold on it. But these are what I think like the apprentice thing is really important is these are guys with jobs, with families and like a very sound basis of like life that can handle wanting another hobby in their life. that's only a month out of the year and they get like they either like it or don't. But if they like it, they have the means to continue doing it versus 
I have a really bad retention rate on these 14 and 15 year olds. Cause you know, the boys start chasing girls and playing sports and going to college and it kind of falls off. Right. And it's that like, they just kind of vanish where these adults, these guys are getting like full blown into it and buying calls and they want to know what they need to get and guns and they, they want their own ammo. And it's like kind of crazy, but it's like a full blown addiction to them if they like it, which yeah, is cool. I, right. Right before you guys called me, I was working on the video for our youth hunt that Preston had this year on April 25th, and I'm uploading that video now. But um, he is taking out this youth hunter for the last couple years, and and that's the same exact thing that he was talking about before he said it. I was thinking is, I wonder if this kid is going to stick with it. Because for me growing up, or for Preston growing up, and uh, I don't know if it was the same way for you guys or not, like we grew up in this culture. Like deer camp in PA, and that's what you do, and turkey weekends and spring trout fishing, so that you would do that when you were in high school, and then you'd still do it a little bit when you're in college. But like Preston said, you've got those other things that you're interested in, and then you come back to it when you're through college, or you say, Hey, I got a little free time, I can get back to do this. I've accomplished these maybe one or two other goals in my life, or I'm at a point where I can do this again it's the same when he takes out an adult, they're past that. They, they have the opportunity to get into it and maybe stick with it. And is that maybe more of the right Avenue than the 14, 15 year old who's not indoctrinated into that culture where they're out there with their family every weekend. And then they're going to be the ones that bring their kids into it when they get older. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I sure. agree. And like, we have, we have no apprentice stuff in PA. It's like, nope, buy all your tags and license and see if you like it. We don't have anything like that at all, which would be like, you know, like this one time printable thing since I'm a license holder that I can bring a non-license holder with me to hunt. Like we don't have anything like that, which is crazy. You know, it's like country clubs. They let, they have guest day, bring guests. Why? They want more members. Does it work? hundred percent. It works. Cause they're like, this golf course is awesome. I'm tired of playing these crap holes. I'm going to play this one. Well, for hunting, you would think conceptually it would lay over and it doesn't, or they just don't think outside the box. And that's not me knocking any of them. It's just, I watch the stuff on our public channel networks, how they dictate and argue. And it's just, it's not a progressive way of thinking if you don't want license sales to tank and our state runs off all the money from license sales. So you don't have any, they don't tax us here to run game commission they take it from license so it's like it's kind of really valuable to get any tags but they don't give that opportunity at all which is but at the same time like we were saying before we started there's a lot of guys on these facebook pages that for all they care license sales can drop so it's more land for them to have but they don't it's not also not futuristic thinking at all either if if you really break it down no 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 and i think you know we talked about how Right, turkeys have like a two-year, one to two-year bounce back. Dude, license sales to stop that that decline, it's going to take time. You're going to have to indoctrinate people slowly over a period of time. You're going to have to 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 win people over. And Adam Cruz, uh, to his credit, he and I have gone round robin uh, for years on what to do to to slow this 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 decline. And he has maintained the entire time that there are there's an entire generation of people today that probably grew up near or uh, in hunting families, but just lost touch with it because of school, because of all these different things. And he's always said that if we can go out there and we can reach people 
who had an interest spark that interest again, and they have the ability to jump right back into it. That's that's immediate sales. You don't have to. You don't have to run the risk of of them falling in love with baseball or falling in love with with engineering and while they're in school. I mean, Preston, how many how many hunts did you do while you were in your your graduate program? Like that's that's what I was just gonna say. You met me just a few years after that, and I was already traveling around the whole country, right. Jack. But in my graduate program, literally zero. I hunted turkey zero times in four years. It was crazy. Because right. everything was so locked up on private land where I was at. And I hunted deer probably 10, 15 times, but no success. Like, there was just, I was in school 35 hours a week. Right. I, I wasn't hunting. Like, right. I was utterly exhausted going to just class for full-time job. And and for sure, like Jack said, literally, I grew up with, like, my uncle that everyone turned to for turkey hunting stuff. It was, like, indoctrinated in, inside you. So when I got done, I immediately, my first year out of school was right back into it but it was an itch that i couldn't scratch while i was in school whereas a lot of these kids like this day and age like i'm living in an area that the outdoors isn't real big so i'm trying to get kids into it where it's already not a big thing and where me and him grew up we literally had the schools closing to hunt deer right like multiple days so it's a night and day it's a night and day thing compared to like my my technology lab teacher would take me turkey hunting and then drive me to school like that actually happened. So it was like, and he taught wood shop. So it was like, it was a whole other story up there compared to down here. But now my adults down here, I'm telling you, I've got like five. Like I just told Jack this weekend, the one guy I got into turkey hunting. He's six foot five, all American, two time all American wrestler, 290 pounds. And we're in this, he's hunting with a crossbow and he loves turkey hunting. He thinks it's the greatest thing that he's ever seen. He doesn't know why anybody didn't tell him sooner. I took him yesterday. He's like 38 thinks it's the greatest thing God ever gave us. And he's like, <laughs> I don't know why I've been doing this my whole life. He goes, this is freaking awesome. I'm like, I know. <laughs> I'm like, it's fun. And it's like, but last year I took him for the first time. And then next thing you know, he was calling every person he knew to Turkey hunt and he ended up killing one. And he was like, this is fantastic. So it's, but he had that ability, the financial means, the time means right. to get into it once he learned he liked it versus parting off with whatever else it is in life, school, whatever. If you go to trade school or you're working or starting a business, all that stuff, it puts money into the back burner. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I got a question, uh, Walt, and that would be how many of your guys' buddies who've been hunting for a long time – do they actually realize that like hunting numbers are going down? Because I know I talk to my buddies that have been hunting for a long time and I tell them that and they don't believe me. Like they think there's more hunters. They, they think there's more hunters out there than ever. And I think that that kind of throws them off to like want to get more people into it because they're like, that, that can't be possible. That's right. not true. There, there's right. more hunters out there now than there's ever been. So uh, how do you go about that? I mean, I definitely feel like it's the people who hunt now hunt like they go out there and they do it and they are dedicated to it. And I, I don't know about Florida. I know PA, a lot of the mid Atlantic States license sales are down. A lot of the Western States, the license sales are not down. It's the people that live out there. It's more of that culture or a lot of maybe the East coast people have moved out there. Who knows? I'm sure. <laughs> 
actually one of the guys that we hunted with in Idaho for a couple of years is like, oh, I'm so getting tired of these Californians moving out here. Um, so you get those people moving into those Western states and probably one of the reasons they're doing it is because of that lifestyle. Um, but locally license sales are, are definitely down, unfortunately. And, and there's that difference where there's also a lack of access. Um, you know, some of the older guys that I hunt with, even down here in Delaware, like I used to be able to walk for three miles across farms and private land that guys are like, give you a thumbs up, go ahead, get a deer, do whatever you want. And and now that lack of access is definitely an issue. And I think in a lot of places and a lot of studies, uh, the number one reason that people kind of get frustrated as a new hunter is, well, where where do I go or or what do I do? Or I pull up to the state land and it seems really crowded. Um, so that could be one of the limiting factors for a lot of people who are, are pretty scared to want to get there or want to get into it. Um, you know, they may not have that mentor to take them out and show them where they can go and what they can do. A lot of times the regulations are really onerous. I mean, you look at a regulation book for any state, you're like, huh, it's like 50 pages. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I've always thought, you know, I felt like I've always felt like there needs to be a turbo tax for hunting regulations and what you know like realistically it's like do you have a w2 yes what that'll be are you hunting deer yes and then it should pop into like two different questions are you going to use a bow or a rifle you know either or or both and it should just walk you through it and like for people who are trying to get into it realistically there's got to be a better way that we can disseminate that information but you know i'd also say this you know, if you feel like, you know, dude, you're totally right about the private lands. When I was growing up, I could hunt anywhere I wanted to. In fact, I didn't even know like property, like boundaries, like the fences. Okay. That's just something I slide my gun over and crawl over. Right. Like that was just, you know, that was, that, that was what I did. And now it's like, dude, I I knock on 10 people's doors and one of them's like, eh, give me a call in the summer and we'll talk about it. You know, but realistically as that that's going to continue to probably be a trend if you want more public lands you need more license sales you need more people saying hey we need more public lands and georgia yeah, exactly you got to have more advocates right exactly exactly and and georgia is doing a phenomenal job right now of buying up wetlands and 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 areas and turning them into wmas i mean they have land they have like bought up almost the entirety of the wetlands of the Altamaha River, and they're doing it for, and they're buying it straight out from the timber companies, and it's because they 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 they've got the the revenue from outdoorsmen to do it, but a lot of states aren't going to have that if we continue to lose license sales. No, and it's it's not like it dipped terribly this year, so it was like I think twenty sixteen to seventeen, or maybe it was seventeen to eighteen, it went up. And then 19, it came back down equal to like 2017. But then this year, it actually dipped down just a shade more. It lost like, I think, almost another quarter million license sales. Yep. And now on 15.4 million, that doesn't seem like a lot, but you're like, it's still a quarter million the wrong direction. Like, yep. now granted, it's never going to get to 25 million. You know, you're never going to have eight, 9% of the country hunting. But if you stayed at like a steady five, that would be a plus because realistically, if you think about it, new if it stays at a steady five, you are getting like a progression of new hunters yes. coming in. It's yes. not dropping. So it's like no different than I run like my work, right? right? If your clientele new growth is always the same, it's still new growth. But going down, that ain't good. No. That's not – not with the largest generational live right now being 
essentially our generation, right? Like the baby boomers are so far on the back end. Yep. It's now that millennial millennial X or whatever it's called with the margins. We're the hunters and right. if sales are going down. That's that can't be good. Well, yeah. Well, and it seems like, like you were saying such a timely conversation about was this spring a missed opportunity to maybe get more people into the woods. I'm worried about what this fall is going to bring. Right. Cause when you think about it, they have this issue now with lockdown, what potentially one in four, one in five people are jobless and you're seeing unemployment rates that yep. are kind of un- unknown to us in this lifetime. And then when fall rolls around and that maybe people are back to work or they just finally got their job back, or is there a second wave of this that comes? All these things are possibilities that people are saying, I don't have time to take off work. I can't go hunting. And then mm-hmm. they don't get a license. I don't have time to take, take my kid hunting this year. or I don't have time to, to mentor anybody. Um, it was a while back I was listening. And I think it was the last recession that hit with Idaho which is a state that is dependent upon license sales for revenue, as are most states. There are certain other states that aren't that are uh, subsidized by a portion of the sales tax, like Missouri and Arkansas, um, that can put you at the mercy of the general census rather than just those who are interested in hunting. But the last time that a recession hit, Idaho suffered really significant setbacks in terms of their license sales. And unfortunately, that impacts conservation. So who knows as this moves forward – how many people are going to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm not renewing my NWTF membership this year. Yeah. Well, and also I think we need to recognize this is like doomsday. It feels like to say this, but realistically our wildlife agencies aren't going anywhere. They're going to, they're, they're going to be essential, right? There are conservation organizations. They're doing a lot of the habitat work and they're doing stuff. So states are going to start looking for other ways to fund them. And as much as it sounds great to tax birders and backpackers and all these other people, you're giving them a say. You're giving them sway. You're, you can't now just say, well, we're, we, we fund conservation anymore when it comes to, 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 to you know, conservation. Because now you, you, you've not done your part to make sure that these agencies are funded. And as a result, now you, know, you, you start to see like Georgia doing this like public use pass, which is like $10 a year to use – to use birding sites and stuff. I hate that. Mm-hmm. That drives me nuts. They instituted the same thing here in Delaware. I think it was a few years ago. All the wildlife management yep. areas that if you want to be out there walking your dog, you got to have a conservation access pass displayed on your dash. Yep. Now you get one for free if you're a hunter. But right. if you are just walking your dog or something like that, you got to pay for it. Right, exactly. And that, that annoys, that irritates the crap out of me. Because if you look at the economic breakdown, if you look at the conservation breakdown – we do so much that people don't appreciate and don't know anything about. And that's a PR issue on our, uh, that's, that is our fault. But man, if we could Preston, like you're saying, dude, if we could just stay at a steady 5% of the population as the population grows and it's going to continue, that's just going to be more money. And realistically, if it's at 5% and it stays there, we will find ways to cope with our public land situation. But I mean, I, I really feel like, and I think, we've kind of hashed it out, but I really feel like we really screwed the pooch here. And I hope we can take lessons from this on how to, to change things. I'd like to see in places like Florida, a week long apprentice slash youth season, you know? Oh, see, I, I, yeah, I'd have no problem with that. But then like up here in PA, there's guys that go absolutely ballistic. But yeah. I get it because I remember being a kid. We have a rifle for senior citizens and youth 
in October, which the archers go nuts about up here. But the reason they do it is because of weather permitting. We have really, really nice Octobers in Pennsylvania. And when you drag a kid out at 5 a.m. in December here, it might be it might be 15. When you go in October, it might be 65. And they have a pretty good day hunting for three days for deer. And people lose it up here because of that's like pre-rut. I really don't give a crap because if I'm in a spot where there's a kid that can waltz out with a rifle, odds are I'm probably not in a great spot anyways. <laughs> so whatever. But I get why they're doing it because I remember my dad literally dragging us into the car to do deer drives when we're like 14 in the snow at 6 a.m. And it was so cold. And you're like, this is terrifying. I don't want to do this at all. So I think it's a good thing, but they do it for a couple days here, which is really nice. I think it's a whole weekend, maybe like a Saturday, Monday or a Friday, Saturday, Monday, something mm -hmm. like that. Um, and a lot of people hate that, but it's one of the only areas that I know does that high powered rifle in the middle of archery season for the kids. I don't have any problem with it. No, it's pretty cool. It's yeah. a good, I thought it was a good idea. Yeah, I'd like to see more places in general institute an apprentice, um, an apprentice season rather than just a youth day yes, alone. I agree. To give you more opportunity to take more people out and shoot. I mean, if you want to change the regulations, if you want to make me put my tag on it, I'd be more than happy to yep. do it. If you want to make me burn my tag in as an adult, fine. I'm, I'm more than happy to do it. And that's not like, I mean, Preston's gotten more big deer than I have or anything like that, but I think I'm at that point in my life where I, I really just enjoy being out there yeah. um, and seeing other people succeed. And it's not all about all my own success. No. And it's, and also there is a point where like, if you're still like I am, I, I like, we took that kid Saturday and me and Jack didn't even carry guns. And I was like, you know, we probably should have carried one because we could have easily called a double in and we all have tags. And we were so caught up in me and him capturing him hunting. We didn't even think about it. But if there is that small inkling of, I don't want to call it selfish, selfishness, but a shade where you're like, you know, I'm not ready to forfeit my only four Saturdays. Our turkey season is four Saturdays. Yeah, that's, that's not absurd. that many. And if I have to take an apprentice who's never gone on one of my four days, I've just dropped 25% of the days I can hunt. I feel like you're much less prone to take someone if that little piece of you still wants your tag filled first, which is totally fine. I get that. Trust me. Like I told Jack, he came up here this weekend and I actually said to him, like, do you care if I shoot first? Because I didn't hunt for three weeks last year and I missed the whole season. I never carried a gun. And he's like, no, it's like, you already filmed for me. So I'll film. I'm like, that's awesome. Cause I just wanted to be able to hold the gun once. Cause I already hunted like, I already hunted like eight, nine days last year and I never carried a gun, right. but there's some people, they might have four total and they're not going to take anybody. Like, why would you take someone if you get four days weather pending? It's like too high a risk. So without the apprentice thing, I, you, like who's going to really take their buddy that hasn't gone and burned their day? Probably not very many people. Right. For sure. Chase, you've been, you've been awful quiet. What, what, are, what are your thoughts on this dude? Well, I mean, we're, we're in a different situation down here in Florida. Sure. Uh, because they, they have an apprentice. Well, I say they have an apprentice program. Uh, you can hunt under someone else's license for a year uh, before you actually have to get a hunter's safety certification or whatnot. 
but I still believe that you have to purchase the license and all that. So it's not like you're getting, they're getting a break or anything, but they can go out with somebody and they still get the normal number of tags that they would get. So, I mean, I think that's good because, like I said, you can you can get them out there, and if they like it, then I guess they're going to have to go. I think if someone goes out for a year and you can show they went out for a year for you, then that should be their hunter safety uh, certification, but apparently it's not. They still have to go get the hunter's safety certification uh, after they do the year with the person right. that's 21, but still you're fourth, that person, but they have to be with that hunter. Like, it's not like I can go set that person up in a blind or in a tree stand somewhere and then go sit whatever, a quarter mile down the road or 500 yards away. I have to be in the stand with that person. So you're you're basically forfeiting your hunts for the most part because you you have to be in the stand with that person. Or, I mean, turkey hunting's a little bit different because, like they mentioned, you could have a double or whatnot. Um, so, so you're not giving that up. So I, I think they could definitely change it some for Florida for sure to where if you have an adult out there that and you're hunting with them the whole season, I don't, I don't think that you should have to be right next to them the entire time. Um, I, I think there should be some, some time limits or whatever on that. But I, I do think that I do like the idea of getting them out there early because, like I said, uh, especially during turkey season, I mean, that's like down here I know – uh, the youth season or whatever, the week before, I mean, that's when the action's the hottest, <laughs> at least where I'm at. Um, so, I mean, what better time to get a newbie out in the woods is when the action, when it's on fire, right. uh, to, to get them addicted uh, to hunting and hoping to get them to stick with it uh, for, for years to come. So, I, I, but I think every state's different. So it's hard to just go, this is what it needs to be for every state. And I'm sure every state has reasons for what they're doing. Probably uh, some of it scientific based that we don't know about. Yeah. You start to really wonder how they come up with stuff when you take the lower 48 and there isn't almost a single law that overlays from any state and we're hunting the same mother effing animals. So how can they be that different? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, we have four different, I, four different ruts here. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, and only 190,000 hunters with 21 million population. How many right. hunters does Pennsylvania have? Pennsylvania has like 1.2 million tags, I think we yeah. sell. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so you, you've got us beat by five times the amount. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like legitimately, <laughs> Pens- I, think Pencil- I think Pennsylvania and Michigan make up like they're almost sniffing like uh, it, it's some insane percentage of total license sales. Like, like I just pulled it out. 2018 PA was a total of 855,000 license sales. What were we in like 2015? Because we used to be at a million for. Uh, it's been a while since we've had that. 2015 was 935,000. Okay, so we're sub a million. Never mind, I was wrong. Well, still, a million is <laughs> pretty high. It's high. Yeah, pretty, pretty close. Millions a lot. So here in Ohio and Michigan, we're like 800, 900, and 800. You're talking like legitimately a huge percentage of that 15 million in three states. And our three states are managed on opposite ends of the spectrum. And we're only separated by a few hour drive. It's kind of weird <laughs> right. to me. Yeah. that's How many, I, I had a question from earlier is, do they charge, um, 
I guess, is there like an age limit to where they quit charging people for licenses up in PA? Like, I know down in Florida, once you hit 65, you don't have to pay for a license anymore. You basically get it for free. And I think that could be why we're losing numbers is mm-hmm. because you got the baby boomers that don't have to pay for licenses anymore because once they hit 65, then right. all they have to do is they just go get the license and they don't pay for it anymore. Yeah, I don't know how they qualify that. I know, like a few years back, my dad went and bought a lifetime license. So I don't know that's if they what just I was just going to say. That year, does it just go like, that one year and then they don't qualify it again? Yeah, because no, there's like a certain age that, that you can yeah. buy that lifetime here in Ohio, but it's like you got to be so old before you can get it. Yeah, see, down here you can buy a lifetime license. At, you can buy one for your kid. Like I bought one for my son. And it cost me 400 bucks and it's a lifetime hunting and fishing license for the rest of his life. Oh like he, he never had, he never has to pay for a license in his life. I bought, I bought one when I was 21 and it cost me a grand for the same. It cost me a grand for, to be able to hunt and fish for the next 45 years. So they, they have, they have like, but that money, apparently that money goes into a separate pot. It does. Like it goes it to something else. Like, yeah, people who buy the lifetime licenses, that money goes somewhere else. But there's like age ranges from like zero to four years old. It's like 400 bucks. Then five to 13, it's like seven or 800. And then over 13, it's a thousand dollars. But once you hit 65, you don't pay for a license. Like there's, you don't have to buy a lifetime license. You don't, you just don't pay for a license anymore. That's incredible because if you live till your turkey hunt till you're 90, you have as many free years as you had paid years. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. And like I told you guys, I'm figuring I'll probably make it to 140, so I'd get like right. 80 years for free out of that. So guys, I think we've hashed this out to death. Um, I, I I didn't want this one to be one that I think there's a lot of good information there, and I didn't want to lose people. I think we've we've covered all the stuff that we wanted to, but briefly preston and jack tell everybody where they can find your content we're at you on youtube di hunter if you search us you'll see our logo um and then we're on instagram at di hunter official and we are working on getting some new content uploaded to amazon um that's a cool place to look for us because you can sit there and watch it on your big screen smart tv um seems like they've been a little slow lately with the COVID response. I think they're diverting some people to shipping in logistics and things like that, but we've got some good stuff up there. Good deal. Well, I appreciate you guys taking the time to chat and hopefully the next time we're on, uh, we can all just be uh, swapping stories about birds that we've uh, busted uh, in person in either Tennessee or North Georgia.